0: Welcome to the Style Free Podcast, where a father and son detail and digress on a wide variety of topics within music, art, family, and culture. Your hosts are Professor Stephen J. Tyson Sr. and Jr., also known as Dad and Papo. In today's episode, we explore the connections, message, and evolution of black male music groups and duos, including the Four Tops, Amigos, and more. So my idea for us today was to surf title. And mm. I came across this playlist, uh, The Ed Sullivan Show, some various performances that title curated. And so I didn't know if there were any of these that interested you uh, that we could like watch and then like discuss it all.
1: So let's see here. Uh, and these are all off The Ed Sullivan Show. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we can do Reach out, I'll be there. Four Tops. Four Tops, reach out, I'll be there. Yeah, let's do Great. it. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. I really liked the four top songs. Like I, I had some of their records too, you know, as mm-hmm. younger, like Bernadette. Bernadette.
0: Yeah. 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 That's a great song. The, and, the baseline
1: in that the, one. There you go. <laughs> the baseline is just, man, man. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. That might've been uh, James Jameson. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was doing that, who was also Marvin Gaye, What's Going On, played on those sessions. They mm-hmm. used to call him the the, the claw because of the way that he used to hold his hand. <laughs> but that was that was great. The things that stand out to me with that are the well, several things. The harmonies, the idea of harmonizing vocals. And by the way, it was it was not called Levi Stubbs and the Four Tops. Mm-hmm. It was called the Four Tops. Right. It was not David Ruffin and The temptation. Yeah. So that sense of unity. Mm -hmm. Yes, Mm -hmm. you had Leva, but sometimes others would take the lead. Yeah. Right. In the case of the four tops, it was usually Levi Stubbs, you know, but in in the case of the temptations, it might be Melvin Franklin. I'm sending you some roses. (laughs) Uh, uh, blue.
0: Blue is his nickname,
1: right? Yeah. Blue. Yeah. 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 Then it'd be Eddie Kendrick's. And then, you know, David, and then later on, um, the other cat. But four tops, the other thing, okay, so it's the choreography was the other thing. The vocal harmonies, the choreography. There was a guy back in the in the Apollo days, you know, in, in Harlem, there was a, a very popular dance duo, not the Nicholas brothers, but they were called Atkins and Coles, mm-hmm. Charlie Atkins and uh, Honey Coles, mm-hmm. Charles Honey Coles. And there's a great video of them doing this, this beautiful, very low impact type of, of, of dance step, but it's, it's at tap dancers, they were tap dancers, but actually beautiful. So he was hired by Motown, Charlie Atkins, mm-hmm. to do all of the choreography for the Motown folks. Right. And all of the movements told a story.
0: Oh, yeah. Say, whenever they're saying, like, look over your shoulder
1: and, you know, uh-huh. I, you know, I mean, every gesture supported the story, mm-hmm. the lyric. Mm-hmm. You know, so it all kind of tied in together. And again, the, the, the suits, you know, the single button jackets, the silk yeah. ties, the long uh, sleeves, you know, or the shortened you know, so that you see the sleeves showing with the cufflinks, you know, that yeah, kind yeah. of... Yeah, and they had, the, they had the brown loafers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it was uh, October 16th, 1966, was that before? It was 66. Yeah, I was thinking it was 66. Because uh, mm-hmm. that's, I think, when they flipped over the color uh, around 65, 66. Cause oh, when on the James, Ed Sullivan show. Because James Brown on, on the Ed Sullivan show was, was in color. Mm -hmm. and uh so i think that was 65 66 um and so yeah i mean that that was the style you know you had to look sharp and and clean and and your moves had to be you know good now you can tell there's a little looseness in there it wasn't like the jackson five you know a few years later you know with a it was almost precision. That that mommy probably had to do with Joe Jackson, you know. Right, right. <laughs> you know, nobody part could part could, of, could 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 crack the whip at Motown harder than Joe Jackson could right. you know, with those sons. So anyway, but it still came off that they were in this together. They mm-hmm. were singing it together. Mm-hmm. They were performing together. And they all supported the 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 lyric, the song. It's just that Levi happened to be out in front and doing it. And I like that that idea. You know, like I told you once, um vocal harmonies to me, to have that in music, mm-hmm. is emblematic of the concept of people working together and coming together. You yeah. know, not just everybody out there for themselves, and you know, just you know, whatever, and you know, it, it's it, there's some sense of purpose and and connection going on there. And I loved also in Levi Stubbs's singing. I always loved the earnestness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. It was it's heartfelt. It, it almost cracks in certain places. You know, he's he almost strains to get the emotion, the expression out while still doing the movements and all that. And he's got his process and, and all of that. <laughs> yeah. But, but st- he was the only one in the group. I think that, ha- that still had the process by that time, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. starting to switch back You know, the temptation started getting out of that. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I, uh, it's one of my favorite groups. Yeah. Nice. Now, now, let me ask you this: As somebody who's a you know stage performer, but you know essentially a, a solo stage performer mm-hmm. and uh, media, what's your impression when you look at you know groups from Motown, or when you see them on the stage, and what does that mean to you musically, or also in terms of movement or telling a story, or because you you do tell a story, you do you know it's it's this whether it's degrees or this and that. What what role does does stage performance choreography and movement play uh, for you? And and what do you think when you see groups like this?
0: So for me, I definitely try to
1: with as many
0: subtle gestures as possible continue to push the narrative of the story um, mm. with different hand movements. Uh, especially being an MC, well, one hand is always on the microphone typically, mm. unless there's a stand um, for a certain song or two. But or if it's a video, um, you know, when yeah. You- for yeah. or a video where there's no mic you know, again yeah. a lot of the time and so yeah so my so my hand movements try to either convey the energy or the content of the song in some subtle way but mm-hmm. I don't want to overdo it but I think whenever it comes to like the larger uh, aspect of like choreography you don't often see that much anymore in in rap or in hip-hop choreography outside of breaking. Um, you, you don't see, you know, rap artists, you know, incorporating choreography like you did in the early 90s with MC Hammer or folks who were imitating Hammer like Vanilla Ice and stuff like that. Or, or, or um, you know, Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane was killing it. Yeah. Or a kid in play. Heavy, um, heavy D. Heavy yep. D. Yeah. Yes. So the, all, the choreography was a, a central part for a while within mm. hip hop. And it felt like. Recently, that, that that's less so. You have artists now, like Offset, has done some choreography within his performances. Kendrick mm. Lamar has some more theatric choreography uh, and theatric production, you know, in in his performances. Uh, mm. I've yet to have the opportunity to to get bigger within uh, incorporating more theatrics in my in my stuff yet, but uh, I try to definitely convey different characters or aspects of myself, depending upon the song that Mm -hmm. I'm doing. And so, uh, yeah, there are certain artists right now who are incorporating some, you know, more theatrics or other elements of choreography, not necessarily like Mm -hmm. dance numbers. but, you know, looking at and comparing to groups like the Four Tops or the Temptations mm. uh, and also like the, the synergy that you have to have with other folks on stage a, as an MC, too, can be difficult because you're also working, not just remembering the rhymes and um, all the lyrics and the pattern, but it's, it's also about the patterns and everything, too. And so if your mm. dance movements are not in the same cadence as, you know, how you're rhyming in that Mm movement moment. I think it adds a certain challenge for a lot of MCs too, because, you know, thinking about how much pattern is a big part of hip hop today, Mm -hmm. less so about the lyrics and less so about the message. And it's more about the patterns and the melodies that you're rapping with. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I can see how there's definitely a greater opportunity for choreography to come back, Mm -hmm. but, it's yet to showcase itself a bit more like it did back in the early 90s.
1: Do you think that when, when you think back, we were talking about Dad, Big Daddy Kane and, and others where he had Scoop scoob and Scrap. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, wow, yeah. And couldn't there be those um, guys like, what's his name, Bored, Um Oh, Storyboard P. Storyboard P. You yeah. know, could you have like two Storyboard P's or or the twins do interpretations of, what he's doing or, or pattern their movements in a way that follows the cadence of the vocals, right? Yes.
0: And it's excellent that you bring that up too because that's something that I'm in the process of doing right now for my video BLM
1: mm. uh, where
0: I have other dancers and other Black folks just in the video mm-hmm. and being themselves, naturally themselves, but dancing to... My so a lot of the song doesn't have a beat to it until towards the end of the song, and so they're essentially dancing to the key oh. to the rhythm of my lyrics, right? You know, getting yeah. up into to, towards the end of the song and everything. So
1: oh, okay, sort of like um like in the in the Baptist church when they have those um praise dance praise
0: dancers, so to speak, yeah. 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 yeah, definitely tapping into a lot of the spirituality and our spirit, just as you know, black yeah. folk in America, but then also those who've lost their lives to the hands of police officers or white supremacists or mm-hmm. uh, anybody who's just you know, you know not, not trying to treat us right. So,
1: yeah, you know, and, and just one last point on the, the I, one thing I, I think I mentioned to you years ago when you're talking about vocal harmonies, I always thought it'd be interesting to hear. You've heard some rappers do this. They say, a and, and then their sidekick or whoever, they join in mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they all say this, a certain portion of the thing together and yeah. then they go off and then, they, and then they come back and they say, like, almost like a refrain, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know? It's like like um, when the Jacksons would, would go there and then they jump back together, you know, to sing some part of the, before Michael goes off and sings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I always wondered why can't rappers, I don't see any reason why rappers can't harmonize rap, you know, like three-part, four-part harmony for a certain phrase of lyrics and then go back to the soloist or whatever they have, or trade off. You right. know, Another person take off, you know, but they'll harmonize on a certain part. In other words, carrying some aspects of the traditions, you know, the doo-wop groups, the vocal harmonies. Yeah. The, Motown, all that. And, and it's carrying history forward. Yeah. And yeah. When you first start out, you're going you know, to be blasting out, and man, and, and it's going to be unique and everything. But, but it's still somehow, no matter how far out it is, it's still going to have some thread, some DNA to the original. Well, why not look back, honor and respect those parts of the past that uplift and inspire Mm -hmm. the community Mm -hmm. that respect the tradition that uplift and bring that forward into it so that there's no separation you know i I mentioned this the last time we were talking about the uh, it's sort of like the sankofa aspect or when i was at the igungun festival in nigeria Mm -hmm. in oyo and you know one of the traditional yoruba towns and then the igungun festival where the basically the spirits the ancestors come back and join the people and and there's a sort of rejuvenation there's this re- rededication you know there's all of this and I think that that's important that a culture is not set off adrift on its own island or thinking that it's on its own island from a sense of community building mm-hmm. you know if the if the foundation looks like it's a little you know weak or challenge or or if it or, or or if there's some aspect of it that can be built on so that the foundation in real time now in the now yeah. Because it's, it's built on standing on the shoulders up. You know, re-fortify that, re-fortify that, strengthen right. that, you know, build that, and then keep going, keep going. So, yeah, yeah I can, so but, that's just one other point I wanted to mention about the four tops. Yeah, I mean, I know, think how conceptually, now.
0: conceptually, that definitely exists a little bit of the message, well, a lot of the message aside. The concept is definitely there whenever you think about groups today like Nigos, who mm-hmm. are assigned to Motown. And mm. released their, their album, especially their, their one of their more acclaimed albums, Culture 2, was released through Motown. And mm-hmm. they're a trio. And the way in which they rap definitely leapfrogs and jumps in and out of one another and at times can harmonize to some extent and and, you know, layer within one another in, in ways that, you know, are certainly homages and acknowledgements mm-hmm. and also wouldn't exist in certain ways without groups like the Four Tops and Temptations who really? were also pioneers on the same record label.
1: Now, now to that point, didn't uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony
0: have Bone so- Thugs definitely had uh, a big hand in that. And that's, that's a great point to bring up too. I mean, yeah, they, they, they're the pioneers of harmonizing within rap and are probably the best to do it. Ever, including groups today, and that's no shade to any groups today mm-hmm. at all either. Mm-hmm. Like bone thugs, without question, or plus that
1: rapid fire, yeah. yeah. And I
0: mean, and now you got folks like Eminem and Joiner Lucas and Logic, and you know, that's right. that's you know right. other that's heavy right. spitters who are really doing their thing. So, yeah,
1: yeah, cool, cool. All
0: right. <laughs>
1: so what? What? You got something? You want to show something else uh,
0: on that list? Yeah, definitely. I, I think the best example is probably uh, Fat Joe and Big Pun. Um, mm. their song Twins, but this is also a good example of a recent example of rappers jumping back and forth between a verse, not necessarily harmonizing. But-
1: now, and, and you know, back in the day, it still happens now, jazz musicians, mm-hmm. you know, they, let's say there was a tenor sax and an alto sax or a trumpeter and, and and they play, you know, the chorus and the whole thing together, and then the guy would do the solo. Then mm-hmm. the other one would do the solo. Mm-hmm. And then they would start going boom, 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 you know, yeah. and, in, and and finishing each other's or responding to whatever came before. Mm-hmm. So that part reflects that tradition, yeah. you know, th- that went on. So I so I appreciate that. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> You're right. They, they definitely have that going back and forth. I mm-hmm. yeah. wonder what uh, Snoop and Dre thought of that. Right. I mean, Snoop said that Pon and Joe did it better than them. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. Incredible. Incredible. But that's a perfect illustration, of what I'm talking about, that kind of thing, a- aside from the harmonies itself. But just yeah. rather, now when 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 they did that, it reminded me that Public Enemy did that at one point, mm-hmm. uh, you know, with Flav and um, but not so much, but some 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 reason that's in my head. I was thinking some other, maybe Wu Tang did it. I'm not yep, sure. yep Wu-Tang, um, yeah. Wu uh, Tang,
0: Slaughterhouse. Yeah, there's a lot of like those those groups that definitely have been able to you know leapfrog
1: within one yeah. of them, certain verses yeah. and stuff. I, I miss that, and because it sets up a certain dynamic of of interplay that we're all again goes back to that whole thing about being all in it together, you know. And you yeah, is there another uh, one that stands out to you? Boy, look at look at those names. <laughs> Flip Wilson, you know, Richard Pryor. Um, Oh, uh, Chambers Brothers. I I have that album, the album with that song on it. Time has come today. (laughs) I haven't seen that in a long time. Uh, I I didn't see that particular clip. I've seen them on, you know, other venues and everything. Mm -hmm. But the Chambers Brothers, now that falls into... You know this this whole idea about the you know first of all it's an interracial group.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I didn't first of all I knew that song time, but didn't know that they were black. I thought that it was the white dude and a white group that whole time. Didn't even know what who what group did that song, but yeah, uh, yeah. So that was all brand new to me. Just that whole experience and right now watching that video and everything. And
1: you, and the fact that you have a song you know called Time. Yeah, right? yeah. And and I'm thinking Sly and the Family Stone. Mm-hmm. Had a song on their on their album. Um, there's a there's a riot going, riot on. going on. It's called Time. Mm-hmm. You know. Now in the in the end of that song, it reminded me like in your song. You know, there's this. You know, he's using the cowbell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Clock, like a clock ticking. Yeah. You know, and it's slowing down. And and there's a in the album version, it stretches out. You mm-hmm. know, echo effects and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So you're like, whoa. You know, <laughs> time just gets expanded. You know what I'm yeah. saying? which is part of that whole psychedelic mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm, you know? Yeah. Uh, there's a reference to that even in some of the lyrics of that song. But I'm thinking of Jimi Hendrix, mm-hmm. you know, the, the cadence of his vocals has a certain Hendrix-y quality to it. Yeah. Um, uh, the electric guitar aspect, I'm thinking a little bit of a little flavor of Santana, mm-hmm. you know, when it, it put, particularly toward the end when it starts revving up, you know. So, yeah, there's a lot of people, Jimmy Sly, Santana and uh, and the as I say the interracial component to it, you know, mm-hmm. which ties in with Sly, which ties in with with with, with Santana and Jimmy, you know.
0: Yeah, so it was it, interesting too how like the, the camera person kept the camera on the white drummer a lot of the time, <laughs> a lot more than the lead singer at times. So I was like, man, like <laughs> and, like you didn't get to see the lead guitarist, yeah. <laughs> no, right, right. <laughs>
1: No no, I listen, but I'll tell you what um, the only thing that made Sly stand out is that they had a, a woman mm. in the band, mm-hmm. two women, in fact. So you know, that's one. That's and, then, and then Prince, being inspired by that, he took that on. Later yeah, yeah, on.: yeah,
0: various women and, and
1: races and all types yeah, of.: them. Yeah. It wasn't until later on that, that Santana brought in um, had the, like Patrice Russian. Mm-hmm. You know, female keyboardist. I didn't you know. know
0: that Patrice Russian was a keyboardist for Santana. Patrice Russian, the singer? Forget me
1: nots? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, she was Santana's keyboardist? She played keyboards for Santana. Yeah. That's crazy. She, I didn't know that. Yeah, no, she, well, Chester Thompson did it. Then there was, I think, Greg Rowley, who was a, a vocalist. I think he did it for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were some other people there. But in live performances, she's performed with. Santana. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And then, of course, you know, you, you link her and that song to Will Smith. Right, right, right. With the Men in Black song. Right. <laughs> and so, that, so again, we're talking about these DNA strands. Mm-hmm. But the thing, just to round out the thing that impressed me, you know, of course, with Sly and the Family Stone was not only interracial, but it also had women in it. Yeah. And and then later on, Prince had women in his band. Mm-hmm. Then you had uh, Miles Davis, you know, had a woman in his band, Marilyn Mazur, who was the percussionist in mm-hmm. his band in the late 80s. And then then it, it reverted back. But for a little window of time, you started seeing the presence of women with had, what had once been male bands. You know, more right. present. you could talk about lead singers like Grace Slick during this time with the Jefferson Airplane, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right on Jefferson mm-hmm. Starship. But I'm talking about, you know, women who were band members. Now, in jazz, that existed to a tiny, tiny extent. Yeah. You know, you had the Sweethearts of Rhythm was one of the, the all-female bands in the 1940s, black band. You know, because everybody talks about, you know, the male bands and everything. But what about the women? Yeah. There was a time where some of the, uh, the, the men were going off to the war. And so there were more opportunities for women and women bands, you know, to start coming in. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there've been some, even in the rock era, there's been some women bands that, that have existed too. Uh, yeah. And I don't mean just the lead singer, like Janis Joplin. And, right, right. It would be great to see. So that brings to mind now, what do you think about the, I sent you a JPEG of Paula Perry uh, yeah. talking about women in, in the rap genre. Mm-hmm. You know, MC Light is, is, as you know, my favorite of the female MCs. Um, there's a lot that I respect, you know, Queen Latifah and all of that, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It's just something about her. But can you think of a of a of a rap group where a woman has been part of the group? And I and I don't mean necessarily as the the lead, yeah, or rapper, but as part of the crew. Or has it always so, been all women and all you know, salt and pepper? Or right, you know, right,
0: right. As far as like functioning groups, I don't know of like like a Wu-Tang clan or a, a Slaughterhouse mm. where every project was a collaborative group project or mm. most projects were collaborative group projects so so maybe with like uh something like Mia X who so like who was part of No Limit or mm. Eve who was part of Rough Riders mm. um, or but in even Queen Latifah was part of um you know a larger clique and collective mm. but mm. I don't know as far as like those collectives having their discography you know mm-hmm. be of that collective like there's mm-hmm. definitely been alignment with various cliques and crews and groups um mm-hmm. that women have been involved in and you know but yeah so so like there, it's definitely in existence for sure i just can't think of off the top of my head i think um maybe the group that did uh white tees uh like i think they had a woman in their group
1: mm-hmm. Um,
0: mm-hmm. crime mob I think had a woman in there.
1: Yeah, yeah. Or I was thinking, first then, then Lady of Rage came to my mind, but she's from from the South, but but she was with a group on the West Coast, right? With with the, uh, with... um.
0: Yeah, Lady of Rage came with, with like Dr. Dre and all them. Yeah, but yeah. like, I don't know, if, again, I don't know if she was part of a crew or a clique or not, Or yeah, like, but, yeah. but again, if she was, like, I, I didn't, you know. That
1: was just curious to me, you know, whether, you know, if there was a Sly and the Family Stone equivalent Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: That's a really good question. Um,
1: yeah, and what does that tell us, you know, about about, um, you know, gender relations and, you know, mm-hmm. men and women mm-hmm. in the game? And, and to that point, when you talk about like categories I'm thinking about now Flavor Flav is um, I think going to be 62 or something like that. Chuck mm-hmm. D is going to mm-hmm. be he's 60, he's 60, going to be 61, yeah. something like that. Oh, uh, anyway, rappers are aging, right? Yeah, you know? yeah. and they get up into you
0: yeah, know, yeah. I mean, no, Method Man is fifty. Yeah, Jay Z is fifty plus. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, so the question is, is that as artists in the in the genre age, mm-hmm. is there uh, what kind of room is there? You know, some people say, well, rap is a young man's game and that sort of thing. But is that really, has storytelling, has poetry? You know, that's like saying, right. Oh, Mary Baraka, uh, you know, poetry is a young man's game.
0: Right, yeah. And, and that's that's definitely a byproduct of the the, the industry, so to speak. I and mean, how it's yeah, and without question. I mean, there's so much, there's been so many conversations around, uh, like, whether it's this one infamous meeting that dictated the terms of how hip hop will be marketed in perpetuity by these mass corporations and stuff, or if the, it was less uh, conspiratory and just a product of just the larger white supremacist mindset that exists in mm-hmm. America and American entertainment and the, the decision makers of American entertainment. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, it's interesting. So like you have a, a culture that was founded on peace, unity, love and having fun, mm-hmm. and it's expressing itself through artistic and and, you know, whether it's visual or verbal or physical representations of that. And at some point along the way, it becomes about like it predominantly about violence, drugs, and dismantling of the connection and, and relationship between men and women, and then also between generations. Yeah. And and there's this divide, and so it, it makes sense as to why there's this common. Conversation around this meeting that allegedly happened among the larger heads of various record labels um, in like the early '90s or so, where people who are in the industry said, "Yes, I was either at that meeting or knew of that meeting or whatever mm-hmm. the case may be," mm-hmm. uh, b- because it like it does it, because it's it's it seems too intentional in mm-hmm. how things have been divvied up and pit against one another. Uh, in a culture that is not founded in that one, and then how the culture was even created it wasn't about that either. It was all about it. like the only reason why a culture like hip hop exists is because it's about unity and connection and peace and positivity and prolongedness and all of the things that come with the richness and cultural norms of mm-hmm. everything that hip hop is derived from, mm-hmm. you know, from various cultures in Africa. And how that is translated through various European cultures in the various islands in you know the the West Indies or in the Caribbean or in in the islands, yeah, in South America, and how that's made its way into the United States, and how that became Gullah Geechee culture, and mm. how that became Cajun and Creole culture, and how that became all of the other things that then informed jazz and blues and rock mm. and, <laughs> and and funk and soul and then created the musical foundation once being able to learn how to play instruments was taken out of these you know social systems then you have folks manipulating the music of these past eras and creating an entirely new culture through taking these records and mixing them with their hands and and blending these Previous, you know, musical compositions into something that's brand new in in, in hip hop. You know, there's there's too much disconnect right now in mainstream hip hop that doesn't accurately represent what the culture is about and and mm. where it's gonna and where it's continuing to go. Because where the culture continues to go is not what's represented whenever you turn on BTM MTV or listen to Clear Channel Radio or whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. because it's the same people promoting the same business interests. Because every artist who signs to any of these major labels, it's essentially just a predatory loan. And and, and the purpose of that is to recoup the money that they're giving these artists. And so they're going to then magnify and put these artists on platforms. But then it's like, well, who are the artists that you're signing and why are you signing them? Oh, well, they're representative of their community and their culture and they got a following. But what are they actually talking about and representing? How is that then continuing to perpetuate a cycle of things that are you know creating conditions of negativity and of and mental conditions of negativity and of regression where yeah. you have you know consistent murder rates, and then the soundtrack of people's lives are talking about how I'm murdering everybody day in and day out, mm. or how I'm stacking up money because I'm selling all these drugs to all these folks. Not talking about I did all this and I made it out, and this is a, like 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 Hove said, like Hove did that. So hopefully you won't have to go through that. It's right. not that yeah. message. It's like, I'm doing like, this and get on just like me, or I'm. It's not even a. It's, there's nothing beyond just the glorification. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like, damn, like it's so that's
1: why celebrating have, the, the pathology.
0: Yeah. And that's why you have literal teenagers out taking assault rifles and shooting them off and people getting killed left and right because it's this concept of it's celebratory or it's a status or it's a thing. It, it, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's it, 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 I can see how it's a uh, there's a, a feeling that it can be very conspiracy driven. You yeah. notice how the, the power of hip hop. You have groups like Brand Nubian and um, all these, you know, Afrocentric groups in the mindset. And then immediately, once that is the at the forefront of hip hop, mm-hmm. here comes everything that we've been in ever since. So,
1: well, that was the whole uh, argument about gangster rap, quote unquote, mm-hmm. where you took the militancy of you know the self destruction. Well, the self destruction was in part a response mm-hmm. to that. But, but the whole idea of the con- quote-unquote conscious rap was a, is a way of sort of, okay, we got the party part down. Now <laughs> let's yeah. reach for something a little bit higher. Let's, let's get more agency in terms of transforming our environment mm-hmm. you know, into something that's more positive through consciousness. Now somebody is coming across and saying, we're going to take that same energy And we're going to uh, say that I didn't like the way that person looked. So I, you know, like, wait a minute, why are you bringing us back here? Mm -hmm. We're trying to get out of that. We're trying to deal with the conditions that cause Mm -hmm. the development of this kind of mentality and self-hate and all of that stuff. Yeah. Come on, let's take this up higher. But so what are the forces then, the incentives that are being offered to Mm -hmm. people? You want to get out? Just do this. Come on. Right, right. That way anyway, right? People just whispering each other's ears and then saying, hey man, you don't have to be with that group. We'll make you a solo art. You can do your own thing, get you your own deal. And all of a sudden that unity. Yeah. The group then, you know, goes off in a different direction. So yeah, these are the kind of things that it's like the music is just one arena mm-hmm. where we see these, as you alluded to back, you know, before early in the conversation, this whole divide and conquer mm-hmm. and the strategy has been taking place. It's so yeah talking about music you know absolutely
0: and whenever you take it into like the last point i'll make is like whenever you take it then to beyond hip-hop but still in the music industry Mm -hmm. just this morning on the local news they were talking about how for the first time that they can recall that they've calculated that in the billboards hot 100 the first 50 acts of the hot 100 are all solo acts Right. There's not a band within the first 50 acts in there. And there are certain, they were like then asking, what about certain boy bands? What about this? And apparently within this week, none of the groups or bands are within the top 50. There you
1: go. There you go. I think that that's indicative of, of you know what I was saying. Why really the, this idea about collectivity and working together, and to your point, promoting content that uh, has a life message, mm-hmm. not a death message, you know? Yeah, you yeah. Know? That's affirming, not uh, descending into, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Some sort of a nihilistic way of seeing life and experiencing, you know, through that lens. Mm-hmm. This is going in another direction. Mm-hmm. So so what's the task of the artist? Does an artist have a responsibility? Does an artist have a responsibility to themselves mm-hmm. first? and And, or do they have overriding that a responsibility to the community. If you look at other cultures that have existed, sometimes you'll say, well, the artist doesn't exist apart from the culture. Right. From the community. Right. So therefore, they, they have, it baked into that, is that they have a responsibility to support the community, mm-hmm. you know, and the well-being of the community. Right? Yeah. Now, if you, if you subscribe to that, that idea, if you if you if you don't have a problem with that, then you shouldn't have a problem with putting lyrics and ideas and concepts. I mean, yes, we're we're not one-dimensional people. So, you know, you're gonna have, you know, lyrics about this and lyrics about that. But overall, are the lyrics about feeding back into, you know, like garbage in, garbage out? Is it mm-hmm. feeding back? What are you feeding? What are you in what are you giving? What are you selling on the corner to yeah. your Community, you know, what are you putting in their veins?
0: Yeah,
1: are you yeah. just another hustler who's just, you know, here take a bag here, take a, you know, here put some of this, try some of that. Right. And yeah. Some some have used the terms like packets and stuff. But I think yeah. that was in the back in the 90s, You know, during the crack.
0: Yeah, era. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. People definitely so cool. refer and, and analogize <laughs> their music to like selling crack or selling drugs yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, still to this day, very much yeah. so. Wow.